It is now 11.30 here at KRVN. It's Tuesday. It's the 15th day of June, and it's time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making the Rural Voice of Nebraska a part of your day. Today's a special day for us as the 70th meeting of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association is officially now underway here in Lexington. By the way, we are the only farmer and rancher-owned radio group in the country. And if you are a member, we thank you for being a member. And if you're always interested or ever interested in becoming a member, we can get you signed up. For more information, just stop by the station or any of our stations in our cluster in West Point, York, Holdridge, and out in Scotts Bluff. But the 70th meeting of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association underway today in Lexington at Kirk's. And again, as I mentioned, coming up at 2.33, we'll have the Service to Ag Award winner speech that we always air every single year, but we will have that airing right here on KRVN. So if you missed it, uh, or if you're down at the meeting and you come back and want to check it out again, uh, we'll again air that right here. 2.33 Central Time is what time we'll air that right after Final Bell. Again, the Service to Ag Award winner and their speech will be coming up at 2.33. But let's get back to midday and let's uh, figure out what's coming up on midday. As always, let's start with Susan Littlefield. Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. Kicking it all off at 1219 will be Alex as she talks about the Kansas State dashboard data coming from the Kansas Beef Council. Then Dave Shorter will step back in as he talks more about the East Campus Discovery Days that took the weekend. And then I'll be in at 117. We're talking corn and soybeans. Interesting part on corn and beans. They're looking for some volunteers with some research coming from 12 states. That's a midday from the farm team. Hmm. All right, so some good content coming up there. We look forward to that. Thank you very much, Susan. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgen in sports. And what do you have for us? Hey, thanks, Tyler. Coming up in sports, the field for the College World Series has been set after the last two Super Regionals wrapped up yesterday. Also, we'll tell you about the walking wounded in the NBA as the playoffs continue. And a very notable coach and administrator is stepping down in Norfolk as he is still feeling the effects of COVID-19. So those stories much more coming up next hour in sports. Yeah, that was a surprising uh, story that came out of Norfolk with the superintendent stepping down. But again, uh, with COVID-19, dealing with the after effects there and dealing with that and uh, stepping down. Just a surprise announcement that came yesterday. Also looking forward to the College World Series. Always a great time there in Omaha and uh, looking forward to who comes out on top this year. All right, let's check up with uh, Bob Brogan and uh, how are stocks looking and what do you have for us today? In today's business headline, stocks have been slightly lower in trading as investors reacted negatively to a report that once again showed inflation creeping higher as well as data that showed Americans slowed their spending last month. Wholesale prices boosted by rising food costs increase eight-tenths of a percent in May. California is turning the page on the pandemic. At the stroke of midnight, California lifted most of its COVID-19 restrictions. That's a check of the business headlines. I'm Bob Brogan. All right, thank you very much, Bob. Sure, appreciate it. As always, we also, in less than 15 minutes, we'll hear from our own Paul Perkins as he will step in and tell us what we can expect with this hot weather. Again, uh, last check, there is no update and no early release for those of you uh, with Code Red. That is now our first Code Red today, so irrigators and load management, there is no early release at this time. So just be mindful of that. Again, right now, KRPN, it is 84. It is now time 
for Clay Patton. With your eye weather, I'm Paul Perkins. An upper ridge of high pressure building up from the desert southwest, continuing our sunny and hot weather all the way through Thursday. Daytime highs mostly in the upper 90s to low 100s or about 15 degrees above normal. The slight increase in humidity will make it feel like it's in the low to mid 100s. There may be a smoky haze over western and north central Nebraska tomorrow as smoke from wildfires in the western U.S. begins to drift onto the plains. The next chance of thunderstorms arriving when this high pressure ridge breaks down by Thursday night and a cold front drops to the south. Off and on scattered thunderstorms also a possibility Saturday night through Sunday night with some disturbances dropping southeast. Temperatures will remain just above seasonal through the weekend. Even cooler air drops the temperatures to just below seasonal by Monday. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal for Sunday through June 28th. Rainfall for Sunday through June 28th, mostly near normal in Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors in the markets include a reversal from the hot and dry forecast in the Corn Belt, along with the continued dry weather in Brazil. Outside of the Deep South, significant rain will be scarce the next five days. On the Southern Plains, the hot and dry weather favoring the wheat harvest, which has gotten off to a slow start. In the Midwest, dryness is expanding across Minnesota and Iowa, where crop conditions have fallen the most. Some isolated rain is possible later this week, with falling temperatures helping to reduce the drought stress. Across the Northern Plains, heat with little rain will continue through tomorrow. A front will slowly cool the temperatures to below normal by this weekend across the northern plains. A system this weekend in the northern plains may have a better shot at some scattered rain, but amounts will likely be light. Topsoil moisture rated right now more than one half very short to short in six states, including the Dakotas, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. In very dry central Brazil, there was some scattered rain, but amounts were not helpful this past weekend. The dry weather continues to suppress the yield prospects for second crop corn. Rain in southern Brazil late this week and this weekend will not make it in to central Brazil. With the check of your ag weather, I'm Paul Perkins. Register at Cornerstone Bank, Franklin, Hildreth, and the East Bank in York. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. And JM's Cards and Gifts, Cozen. Get details at krvn.com. Diving into the most recent results of the Kansas State Dashboard. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, and joining us over the phone today is Sharla Huseman. She's Director of Marketing for the Kansas Beef Council. Sharla, tell us a little bit more about the Kansas State Dashboard and some of the most recent results that you guys found. Sure, Alex. Um, so the Kansas State Dashboard is something that we received results for in March, and it's it's a random sampling of Kansas consumers in both cities and rural areas, just to get a good read of the Kansas consumer population as a whole. And some of those results that we found out are very positive. So from the latest dashboard, it shows that beef consumption remains very strong with Kansas consumers, and also beef perceptions or how they view beef and beef production, those are also very strong as well. So those are both both very positive outcomes that we learned from that state dashboard in March. Um, also, as we dig a little deeper into the dashboard and results from consumers, due to stay-at-home orders that were a result of the pandemic, and more so at the first part of the year, more Kansans were eating at home. But also, interestingly enough, they plan to continue to eat more at home, Um, even after restrictions are lifted. 
So as a result of that, more eating at home, more carry into the house uh, from the grocery store, consumers are saying that they are reaching a level of recipe fatigue. So what they are wanting uh, more than anything are new and creative ways to prepare beef at home. And so I'd have to assume that was some information that you guys took in and eventually made something practical and useful out of it. Is that a fair assessment? So as we currently settle into what is the heart of grilling season, kansasbeef.org, our website, has a tab that focuses on great grilling recipes so we can be sure and share new and exciting recipes for Kansas consumers or any consumer as they continue to fire up the grill this summer. We also know that um, from other consumer research that we have done that most consumers are only familiar with beef cuts that they see on restaurant menus. So if they go into a grocery store looking for a certain cut of beef and it's not available, a lot of times they don't know enough about beef cuts to say, oh, well, if a Casey strip isn't available, here's a top sirloin that's also a great grilling steak that I could put in my basket and take home and prepare. So instead, we're losing those consumers to a, a another protein or another part of the store for that meal-eating experience. All right. Well, Charlotte, as we round out this conversation, what else is important to mention that we missed? So also on kansasbeef.org, there's a section called Choosing the Right Beef that really helps educate consumers on what cuts are best for grilling or what cuts are more affordable. So we can help them um, not select another protein or just leave the meat department as a whole and help them to continue to put beef in their cart even when that cut that they're looking for isn't available. So um, that's another great thing about beef is there is a cut for every budget and KansasBeef.org can sure help guide consumers to the cut that they want and also share a variety of recipes to help keep beef on Kansas grills this summer. All right, and all that information is available again at kansasbeef.org. That again is Charlotte Huseman joining us. She's the Director of Marketing for the Kansas Beef Council. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the College World Series field is set after Virginia and Mississippi State won their Super Regional matchups yesterday to grab the final two bursts for the upcoming CWS in Omaha. Virginia was able to knock off Dallas Baptist, winning that one 5-2, to while Mississippi State was able to hold off Notre Dame. Down to Kevin Durant is their lone healthy superstar. The Brooklyn Nets limp home to host Game 5 of their NBA playoff series against the Bucks tonight. Both James Harden and Kyrie Irving have been ruled out for the game because of injuries. The Bucks won both games in Milwaukee after the Nets had taken a 2-0 lead at home. The New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning meet in Tampa Bay in the second game of their Stanley Cup semifinal series. The Islanders won Sunday's opener 2-1 in a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Final. And approaching a dubious record, the Arizona Diamondbacks try to avoid their 21st consecutive road loss when they visit San Francisco tonight. Now, if you are wondering, 
The major league mark is held by the 1963 New York Mets, who dropped 22 in a row away from the polo grounds. Arizona has lost 11 straight overall and its second double-digit losing streak this season. Jacksonville Jaguars expect quarterback Trevor Lawrence to be fully cleared to practice by training camp, which begins next month. Lawrence was a limited participant of the Jags' opening two-day mandatory minicamp on Monday, getting reps in some seven-on-seven stuff. Former Clemson star and this year's number one draft pick wore a compression sleeve on his left leg to help his hamstring, which he tweaked during practice last week. And Norfolk High School Activities Director Ben Reese has resigned as the Norfolk School Board accepted his resignation at last night's meeting. The Norfolk Daily News reports that Reese has decided to step down to concentrate on recovering from the long-term effects of COVID-19. Reese was a head boys basketball coach and had a great run with the Panthers from 2002 through 2016. That was a year prior to becoming AD. Jeff Hoffman is serving as the interim activities director. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find that anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Ricketts has added two more stops to his Stop 30 by 30 town hall meetings. The towns of Gordon and Pickerel have been added to the schedule. During his statewide radio call-in show Monday, Governor Ricketts said he continues to ask questions about the 30 by 30 concept. I worked with um, uh, 14 other of my colleague governors to send a letter to the Biden administration asking him what they meant, uh, reminding him he had no constitutional authority to do this, and to uh, really get details about how this was going to be put in place. We've not heard anything back. They have published the America the Beautiful plan, but it is long on, like, happy talk, lots of nice words, platitudes, but it doesn't really say anything about how they're actually planning on doing this. Rickett says he will be at the Gordon City Auditorium for a 30 by 30 meeting from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, June 17th. Rickett says he will host another meeting at the Four Generations Barn and Pickerel from 6.45 to 7.45 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, June 24th. Rickett says 30 by 30 is a goal set by President Joe Biden to permanently protect in its natural state 30% of the nation's land and waters by 2030. A western Nebraska sheriff's office says two people drowned last week when the pickup truck they were in rolled into a water-filled canal. The North Platte Telegraph reports that the crash happened Thursday afternoon when the truck lost control on a rural road and went into the Tri-County Canal near Fort McPherson National Cemetery. The Lincoln County Sheriff's Office says by the time the first responders arrived, workers with the Central Nebraska Public Power and Irrigation District had already jumped into the water and pulled out 74-year-old Alex Sanchez of North Platte, who died at the scene. A county dive team later recovered the body of 52-year-old Kimberly McCarter of Papillion. The Nebraska State Patrol has identified a driver killed last week in a crash near the western Nebraska city of Gearing. The patrol says 45-year-old Aaron Vigil of Scotts Bluff was behind the wheel of a large sport utility vehicle that crashed Friday morning. Investigators say the SUV was traveling east on Highway 92 when it crossed the highway, entered the left ditch, and rolled. Vigil was pronounced dead at the scene. The IANR and UNL hosted the East Campus Discovery Day this past Saturday on East Campus in Lincoln. Jesse Brophy was a co-chair of the event. 
you know, it's part farmer's market, part science discovery day. We have a lot of fun hands-on activities for people of all ages going on out here. Um, we have a couple of our museums open. Lots of fun things for people of all ages. Many departments and colleges on East Campus has displays and opportunities for hands-on experiences. Discovery Day will also be held on July 10th and August 14th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's free and open to the public. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. This past Saturday, the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln hosted its inaugural Discovery Days and Farmers Market event on East Campus. The event offered hands-on, science-focused activities for people of all ages. There are many vendors there, as well as live music and food. But there is also many departments from the Nebraska University having displays there and interactive experiences for the kids. Among those was the 4-H Educational Engagement Coordinator, Brandy Schultz, who talks about how they use Legos to explain some of the concepts of engineering to young people. Overall, I get to have the opportunity to teach young people a little bit more about STEM, and that focuses really around robotics. And so uh, Nebraska 4-H is the partnering organization that uh, runs Nebraska First Lego League. And that program is focused for 9- to 14-year-old youth, but we have competition teams uh, that are across the state of Nebraska, all the way from Fall City to Dakota County to Box Butte, and then down to even you know Cheyenne County. So uh, overall, in general, I get the opportunity to teach young people a little bit more about STEM and make it a little bit competitive and fun. Yes. Well, here at Discovery Days on the East Campus, tell us what we're doing uh, today here for the youth. Yeah, so one of the first activities when I meet a young person just to get them thinking a little bit about engineering is I provide them a bag of Legos and that Legos it's Lego bricks it's some wheels it's some axles and a ball and I say take these Lego bricks these pieces and, and build me a car and that car needs to go down a ramp and the challenge behind that is that ball needs to stay with on the stay on the vehicle and that's kind of the hard part so it's easy to make four wheels and a couple axles that go downhill but the challenge is, is how do you keep that ball on that prototype and so it's a great learning activity just to get them thinking a little bit about engineering without them even knowing that they're learning mm -hmm. and so it's fun today we've had moms and dads helping their young people sometimes young people just go right for it I had a physics professor and his wife do it so it's for all ages as long as uh, you like Legos and you like you're up for a challenge then I have something for you to do today well, I was going to say, you said challenge, and uh, I imagine that's fun to see the light bulb go off when uh, they discover and, and, uh, and think about this. Absolutely. It's so much fun. And the best part, too, is when they actually accomplish it, and there's the success that they feel, and they, you can see it in their face, and they're excited. And I hope that they, they leave campus today thinking, wow, that was fun, and that their parents say, you did some engineering today, and maybe this is something that we want to pursue in the future. And then they start asking questions, and then they get more involved. And before you know it, the young person is on a robotics team or another STEM program, and they're asking them to have it at their school. And before I know it, they're here on campus as an engineering student. So yes. it's great to see it all happen full circle. Brandy Schultz, the 4-H Educational Engagement Coordinator at the IANR, talking about some of the activities they had there at Discovery Days. Also there was the Department of Entomology, 
And we learn more about that from the head of the entomology department, John Ruberson. So entomology is the study of insects, and typically that embraces all arthropods, so spiders, insects, and all kinds of other things. And our department focuses on studying how insects interact with people. So that may be how they interact with our crop systems, how they affect our health, how they affect our food resources that are we've already harvested and put into the store, um, how they affect our pets. So it affects all kinds of different things. We've got some wonderful work going on with pollinators, with crop pests, and uh, all kinds of interesting areas. When uh, we think entomology, bugs, we think of pests, but uh, there's also beneficials uh, for uh, insects out there. Absolutely, yeah. We And when we think of beneficials, we typically think of pollinators, the bees and the butterflies and the flies that are very active in pollinating plants for us. And about a third of our food comes from pollinators. But there's another group of insects that are very active, the predators and the parasites that attack the pests of crops out there. And that, that's why the world is green. Things are not being completely eaten to the ground by insects because there are other insects that are eating those insects. Mm -hmm. Well, we're at Discovery Days on East Campus. Tell us about the booth that your department has out here. Our booth is being sponsored by the Bruner Entomology Club, which is our graduate student club. And the graduate students have put together a really nice display. They're trying to get the ideas out that, that insects are relevant. They're an important part of not just what we do, but what everyone does, and what's in our homes. And, and the students have put together a display that's got live bees, uh, live bumblebees, live cockroaches, live spiders, millipedes, centipedes, all kinds of different arthropods that people can interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. And then some great exhibits uh, informing people on what these things are doing mm -hmm. and trying to help people understand so they're not afraid of these, these things that surround us every day of our lives. Absolutely. Well, good information for adults. And I imagine kids light up when they see some of these kinds of displays. <laughs> Absolutely. Learn. Yeah, the bees and the cockroaches. Uh, so they, they can pet the cockroaches. We have hissing uh, Madagascar hissing roaches. When you touch them, they'll hiss mm. when they're disturbed. Uh, the kids generally love to touch them. The parents hate to have their kids love to touch them. But it's, uh, it's, it's fun to watch the kids and see yeah. how they engage and interact with these things because they're so different. John Ruberson, the head of the entomology department at IANR. If you missed Discovery Days and Farmer's Market this past Saturday, don't despair. It'll be held two more times this summer. It'll be held on July 10th and August 14th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on both of those days. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. It is time for the Midday Business Report. Here's Bob Rogan. Stocks have been lower in trading this afternoon as investors reacted negatively to a report that once again showed inflation creeping higher as well as data that showed Americans slowed their spending last month. The S&P 500 was down three-tenths of a percent. The Labor Department said that wholesale prices driven by rising food costs increased eight-tenths of a percent in May, while the Commerce Department said retail sales fell by 1.3 percent last month. Investors are waiting to hear from the Federal Reserve on Wednesday to see if they are increasingly concerned about inflation. Treasury yields remained stable and oil prices rose. Meanwhile, the U.S. and the European Union have reached a deal to end a damaging dispute over subsidies to rival plane makers Boeing and Airbus and phase out billions of dollars in punitive tariffs.
California was the first state in America to put in place a coronavirus lockdown, but it's now turning a page on the pandemic. At the stroke of midnight, California lifted most of its COVID-19 restrictions and ushered in what's being called a grand reopening. Retail sales fell in May, dragged down by a decline in auto sales and a shift by Americans to spend more on vacations and other services instead of goods. The Commerce Department saying total sales dropped a seasonally adjusted 1.3% in May from the month before. Wholesale prices boosted by rising food costs increased eight-tenths of a percent in May and are up by a record amount over the past year. Another indication that inflation pressures are rising since the economy has begun to reopen following the pandemic lockdowns. Surging output of cars, trucks, and auto parts pulled U.S. factory production up nine-tenths of a percent in May. Adding utilities and mines, the Federal Reserve reports that overall U.S. industrial production climbed eight-tenths of a percent in May from April. That's a check of the business news. I'm Bob Brogan. We've been hearing a lot lately about ransomware attacks, where cybercriminals break into computers and networks, steal data, encrypt it, and then hold it for ransom. It's shut down school districts, companies, and even a fuel line and meat processor. Microsoft has ransomware protection built into Windows 10, which you can access from the ransomware protection screen, where you can pick folders to be protected and even backed up to Microsoft OneDrive if you're a subscriber. This setup, Microsoft explains, will give you a notification if an application attempts to make changes to the protected folders and the files within them. Having a backup is also a great way to ensure a hack doesn't result in your data being stolen and held for ransom. Use the 321 backup rule. Three copies of your data on two different media with one copy off-site for disaster recovery. Three copies can be what's on your computer, a backup drive, and a cloud backup service, which is off-site. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson, Fox News. This is House Call for Health. A growing concern in New York City, the number of young people smoking marijuana is on the rise. A lot of them have shifted over to weed, to smoking pot, and a lot of them are smoking e-cigarettes and hookah and jewel, and I think it's availability and it's been appealing to them. It's got the different flavors. It's being marketed to them, so I think that's why it's kind of all shifted. Dr. Kathy Ward is with Big Apple Pediatrics and says the weed trend is followed closely by e-cigarettes. Nicotine can change the chemistry of the adolescent brain. It can affect their learning ability and worsen their memory and their concentration. And the youth brain is particularly vulnerable to this because it's not fully developed until they're about 24. Dr. Ward believes it's important to be talking to your kids about the issue. It never hurts to say even to a 7-year-old or a 10-year-old, like, hey, you know, smoking is bad for you. It makes your lungs dirty and makes your teeth and your breath stink and makes your teeth yellow. So it's never too early to start. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health on Lisa Brady, Fox News. corn and soybeans this afternoon with the need for assistance in volunteers on a corn rootworm study and then a late soybean herbicide discussion as well. Well, good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Entomologists in the state of Illinois are looking for farmers to help them trap and track and count western and northern corn. It's for a specific reason. 
kind of a heads up on how the rootworm is adapting to the technology being used to control it so the agricultural industry can adequately respond ahead of the curve rather than trying to catch up. Now, the University of Illinois Extension Entomologists and the North Central Region of Extensions in North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio, so a total of 12, are all in this study. We hear from University of Illinois Extension Entomologist Nick Sider. He explains exactly what the volunteers will be doing with their corn or their fields. Well, the most important thing you have to do if you volunteer, we will send you a set of sticky card traps, and you'll volunteer to set those out in a transect of four in one field, corn or soybean, your choice, whatever, whether you're more interested in rotated or continuous corn, that's up to you. Then you'll replace those traps every week for four weeks, and you'll count the number of western corn rootworms and the number of northern corn rootworms on each of those four traps and send us that information. We'll also ask you for some additional information about your field. For instance, if you've had a history of rootworm problems over the last few years, if you're in long-term continuous corn, how long you've been in corn, or if you're in a rotation situation, how you would characterize the BT resistance that you might have in your area, and other questions like that about field history so that we can get a picture of what your particular situation is. We won't be sharing your specific location with anyone. We won't be sharing your GPS coordinates or anything like that. We will be sharing those data with those identifiers removed. The data without the identifiers will be collected and compiled across the whole of the center part of the United States. Extension Entomologist says it's a collaborative effort, though, throughout the Midwest. This is an effort that was started by our colleagues at Iowa State last year for Iowa. They thought it went so well there that they wanted to extend the opportunity to participate in this to other surrounding states where rootworm is a problem. And in fact, we'll have many states throughout the north central United States participating in this effort. And so we're hoping to get a better picture, not just within Illinois, what our problem areas are and how that rootworm population is changing over time. This is something we want to do over the years, really throughout the north central region of the U.S., where we grow corn to get a picture that's more regional and maybe to give ourselves a heads up. For instance, over the last few years, they were seeing those northern corn rootworm issues to our north in Wisconsin and Minnesota well before we were, and you see that start to creep south. It's good to know what's going on in these surrounding states because often that's a a preview of what we could be seeing within the next few years. A K-State weed management specialist, Sarah Lancaster, says that there's been considerable interest in planting dicamba-tolerant soybean varieties as of late. And to remind folks that there's a tight application window. You know, we kind of anticipated that the extent system might not be a great fit for double crop soybeans in Kansas, specifically for that reason. If you think about kind of typical wheat harvest dates, that doesn't leave us a lot of time there to use that system. Again, just a reminder, that deadline is June 30th. Talking corn and soybeans for you this afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, a little lot, or another round of red on the screen here. Despite the fact we saw corn and soybean conditions continue to dip last night, it looks like still a very hot and dry forecast for much of the growing region. So what are the macro market forces that the, the market is more interested in right now that's supporting the bears? Well, you know, money flow certainly is, is dictating the overall commodity prices lower, and I think that was very evident last night. You know, the, the crop progress numbers we got were well, well below expectations, and in an area where if you had really maybe two weeks from now with a dry forecast behind it, could have put us limit up. I mean, you have the biggest biggest producing states seeing the biggest reductions. Iowa, Minnesota, uh, obviously we've talked about what's going on in the Dakotas. Nebraska took a hit, a hit. And I'm not saying this is the end of the world. It's not. I mean, we could do a 178, 179 yield, but we need to do 182. And in reality, the market probably wants, wants to do 185. And that's on excess acreage here, keep in mind. So there's some opportunities for disappointment. I think... You know, the market forges a low here short term. I think delivery ahead should bring about some buyers. Uh, and I just am not a, a believer in the camp that, uh, you know, you sell a down market in this environment. Some of the biggest bear markets are going to bring about the biggest down move. So just don't want to, don't want to shake yourself out. You got a lot of time if you're going to store bushels and just go buy your biz. I, I really think that, you know, the market here has shown stout demand. We saw wheat offer this morning come from, you know, Egypt needs wheat. They have to feed themselves here as their harvest wraps up. They don't have enough to get through the year, and they keep turning down. They keep turning down tenders, meaning the price is too high for their liking. Well, the prices aren't coming down. So at this point in time, you have a steadfast move. At, you know, market at two hundred fifty dollars a metric ton for Egypt, two hundred sixty dollars a metric ton. They want to pay one ninety. So something's going to break here. Either they're going to be short bought come the winter or come the fall, or you know maybe we catch a move down here as uh, as the Russian crop comes in and then they release uh, release taxes. I don't know. That would be your biggest fear as a bear here is that Russia comes and dwarfs the wheat market, but that has not been the M.O. We're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag, Marketing Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. If you'd like to sign up for that daily newsletter, which John sends out totally free, check it out at DanielsAgMarketing.com. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. Big thing to keep in mind, though, do remember trading future and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And if you'd like to listen to John's commentary one more time, or maybe listen to a couple days ago, last week, month ago's commentary, you can find all of his under the podcast tab when you check out RuralRadioNetwork.com. Again, it's John Payne with Daniel Sag Marketing joining us for the closing grain commentary on the Rural Radio Network. Thanks, Clay. Better wrap up midday here on this Tuesday. You can catch the midday podcast sponsored by Devenny Motors, available wherever podcasts can be found or KRVN.com.